0: Welcome to TVT with Grace and Emma, a Throwback Thursday podcast about the millennial generation and
1: how we came to be. I'm Grace. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Emma. On today's episode, we'll be talking a little bit about the origins of this particular podcast. We'll be playing a game inspired by the ubiquitous middle school debate, NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. And in the process, we uncover a secret drama that they didn't want you to know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then we're going to use some articles that Grace and I found in order to develop a better understanding of the conversation happening in the world about the millennial generation and about how we've come to be.
1: So let's start by talking about the, the origins of this podcast.
0: I was driving the... Three hours precisely from New Orleans, where I was living at the time, up to Jackson, Mississippi, where one of my good friends from college lives. I remember I got a piece of advice at one time from someone who was talking about being on long car trips alone, and she said, just record yourself and like say whatever you want to say and then just start talking. So I remember I like recorded myself, and I basically framed this podcast out loud for myself wow. and talked about why, why I wanted to... I, in my head, was thinking that it would be, like, doing interviews of millennials, which I think, like, is something that we definitely could will incorporate, hope to incorporate down the road. Yeah. Um, but I just always think about that and how, like, it was a dream unrealized for so long. Yeah. And here we are. Here we are. That's so neat. Yeah. The other thing that Grace and I are really conscious of is the ways in which we overlap in a lot of our identifying features. So we're both from... Um, pretty specific parts of the coast i grew up mostly in berkeley and i'm from brooklyn and um we both went to elite-esque yes. private universities for college yep um
1: both identify
0: as, as queer yep. to some extent yep. yeah we're both white and yep. we're both under 5'5 five five. yep
1: oh <laughs> only by a quarter of an inch but it's true. <laughs> oh, we,
0: so close. Um, so we also acknowledge that we bring a lot of blind spots. We yes. bring a lot of gaps in our own knowledge and understanding, and we don't, we're not here to speak on behalf of an entire generation. Yes, Lena Dunham attempted to do that already with mixed reviews, right? <laughs> <laughs> Limited success. No shade to Lena Dunham. Definitely, we can talk more about her later. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, we know that we have a lot of gaps. and yes. so we're gonna bring our voices as you know, in a way that we feel or hope to be um, in ways that really come across as authentic to who we are. Um, And we're also going to continue to look proactively for ways to make sure that we're bringing in other voices. And if you have any suggestions on how to do that, feel free to reach out because we would love to incorporate other folks as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. So as we said before, we're hoping to use this podcast as a way to uncover more about our generation. We both feel like one of the trends that we've noticed in the broader societal conversation about millennials is that a lot of the folks who are talking about millennials may not actually self-identify as millennials. And so we wanted to create a platform where we could think more, more concretely about the experience of being a millennial as people who both identify as such. And also, Think about our history of growing up of the formative events in the world and particularly in the U.S. that contribute to who we are today. And also think about the trends that we see over the course of time in millennials as we've grown, you know, through young adulthood and are now starting to enter more formal adulthood.
1: Yeah. And, you know, there's implications for folks who aren't millennials, too, where the largest generation... Um, to entering, <laughs> in our nation's history to be like entering the workforce we're about to be the majority of the workforce um, I talk a lot with my father who is uh Sorry dad, he's 60 and hey. is thinking a lot in his work about how to collaborate cross generations yeah. and um hopefully we're we're tapping into something that's really relevant for folks no matter what generation you identify with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also the power of having a generational identity and what that means. Mhm.
0: Not to mention like a whole color named after, yeah. Yeah, you guys. What a privilege. Yeah. And an honor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks team <for>, like, No <laughs> baby boomer blue, okay. <laughs>
0: Oh, don't say that. They're gonna get it.
1: You know what? you all deserve it. This <laughs> just, just take it.
0: I feel like they get more of like a scarlet. Well, we could talk more about that. Maybe we should have an episode <laughs> where we just assign colors to every generation. I
1: absolutely love that. We should As, invite people in. Yeah, that's a great idea. As someone who assigns colors to numbers and letters and things like that, I'd be really interested in. Applying that to generations Do you? as well. Yeah, yeah, I think John Mayer also does that. Oh, interesting. Good because it's like a I, I've thing, always right? tried to figure out how he and I might overlap.
0: You heard it your first. Just self-diagnosed. Yeah, is he a millennial?
1: Uh, uh, I
0: would guess so. He's
1: definitely part of our yeah uh, of our uh, era. You can. Oof. We actually reference John Mayer later <laughs> in the episode. So Keep enjoy your, that. Yeah. Keep your ears out.
0: Keep your ears peeled. Eyes peeled. ears on point (laughs) (laughs) all right and with that yeah shall we kick it off
1: yeah absolutely so please enjoy um, this game that we're going to play it's a good
0: one was it a big deal for card middle school was crazy we were so obsessed with who liked nsync and who liked
1: backstreet boys better who did you like better nsync Oh my god. Also, I had a crush on Lance because I felt bad (laughs) because no one else did. Yeah. I had the same for Howie (laughs) and How dare you! How dare you snarf again? (laughs) And pee a little bit.
0: (laughs) My body is a water wonderland. (laughs) Your body is water world. (laughs) My body
1: is a wet water world. Well, I'm (laughs) glad we recorded all of that. Um, I will say, Joey Fatone's filmography, (laughs) he must be, he must truly be the hardest working actor (laughs) in Hollywood. I'm going to say names, and you're going to tell me if they were the name of the Joey Fatone character in a movie. Oh, (laughs) ding. Pizza Chef. Yes. (laughs) Yes, that is the Joey (laughs) Fatone character. That was in Long Shot, 2001. Tony Pepperoni. (laughs) No. No, that was not a name. Angelo. No. That is his character. Oh, I'm sensing. Oh, it was in My Big Fat Greek Life, a TV series. Huh. Yep. But uh, also his character in the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding. All right. Anthony Sabatino. No.
0: Oh yeah, that was his name.
1: That was his name in a movie called The Brothers in 2007. Joey Vitolo. Yes. Yes, that was his character name on Hannah Montana. (laughs) Delivery guy. Yes. Yeah, that was his character late in life in a movie called The Opposite Sex. Oh. Oh, bada bing, Joey Vitone. Joey (laughs) Vitone. Cruise ship fan. Yes, yes <laughs> that is his character in a movie called King of the Golden Sun. Oh, my gosh. Well, this has been another round of Joey Fatone's character. <laughs> Joey. I mean, what a lineup of stereotypical Italian names. You just... You just... You get typecast sometimes when mm. you're Joey. Hollywood's hard. Hollywood's tough. I'm surprised he didn't do a spot on The Sopranos. I think he was too... I don't think that David Simon would take Joey Tone very seriously. I mean, he to took, what's honest. his name? Uh, Stevie Van Zandt? I don't know who that is. He's the guitarist of the E Street Band.
0: Are Bruce you equating the
1: E Street Band with NSYNC? No, I'm just saying that David Chase hired another ar- music artist to be in his television show because he hired Stevie Van Zandt. So why wouldn't he hire Joey Fatone? Look at Joey. What, you know, what other TV shows has has Stevie Van Sant been in? I'm sure that Joey Fatone is asking the same question. Joey Fatone's got a whole track record. How dare you? Not cast the man who played Angelo in My Big Fat Creek Wedding.
0: <laughs> or Pizza Delivery or Guy. Or Pizza
1: Delivery Guy. Clearly. And
0: Pizza pri- Chef.
1: Priming him for the role. His most recent job is cruise ship fan he's a fan it's on the, the starlight series? cruise Oof. good for you joey chris how's chris patrick to <laughs> <laughs> know he also has a filmography but i'll just say there is so much there is so much of the same wow you could map their careers onto one another okay in long shot he was pizzeria patron he was also a delivery boy he was also Angelo. No. Yeah. No. Different different movie. He was a lifeguard How many Angelos? in Sharknado 3. Wow. So take that, Joey Fatone. Oh, uh, always wanted to see that. Oh, you know what? Here's the here's the salt on the wound. Give it. In Starlight Cruise, the upcoming <gasps> TV series where Joey Fatone plays a cruise ship fan. Chris Kirkpatrick is out there as the cruise ship singer. They wow. did they were like, Joey, we don't need a singer. Already got one. Oh, wow. It's your old friend in quotation marks, Chris Kirkpatrick. That is scandalous. Yeah.
0: I think we just uncovered something so fascinating.
1: <laughs> I think so too. The drama, the absolute drama of it all. I'm so, I'm so proud of us.
0: I just want to be in Joy Fatone's head. So from here, we're, Grace and I wanted to start our venture into better understanding some of the conversation that's happening around millennials. So we both went out and sought out a couple articles that talk specifically about the millennial generation using some sort of angle to do so. I think both of our articles were written by people who are likely not millennials, or at least yours is written by a millennial. Yeah, Cusper. Right. A zennial. A zennial. Yeah. Mine, I think we're fairly confident, is written by someone who does not identify as a millennial. From there, we take a little bit of a critique and uh, use it to kind of dissect some of the substance of both of these articles. It raises more questions than it does answer, I will say. Yeah. But it was is great. Yeah. See you soon. <laughs> see you on the other side.
1: <laughs> People Talking about my generation. Just because we get around. Talking about my generation.
0: So, like every day, I feel like I open my, up my computer and I see another article about my generation. And it's time for us to really dissect it.
1: Yeah. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Particularly because there's a problem if how people are talking about our generation does not resonate with how we experience our generation, right? Yeah. Um, And we have some great, great examples today of that exact dissonance. Mm -hmm. Would you like to start?
0: Mm, Why don't we start with yours? Because you were over there giggling, and I just really want to know what's, What's the scoop, Grace Fowler?
1: So I, there was an article published in the New York Times on March 1st that was called, Are You 21 to 37? You might be a millennial, right? Because Emma and I, in sitting down to figure out this podcast, we realized that there are different definitions of Mm -hmm. what the cutoff is Mm -hmm. and also how people care to identify, right? How people Mm -hmm. self-identify within that. Um,
0: but I also think it's that headline itself just offers up this kind of preview that like jury's still out right like, I think right. one of the things that's interesting about millennials and labeling generation generations is that like it's almost like we wait until the last possible second and before we like identify or claim a generation and I feel like this whole phenomenon of the millennial happened when I was older than, like a 21-year-old millennial might be feeling right now. Right.
1: And so even in an article that asks readers whether they identify as a millennial and discuss what the cutoff is, for example, they say that um, the Pew Research Research Center, they found that the cutoff is 1981 to 1996, Um, The United States Census Bureau has 1982 to 2000, according to this article. Yeah. But even in an article, this is so ironic now that we're having this conversation, even in this article that talks about millennials, do they have a millennial speak? No. They have Paula in New Orleans who is post-millennial. So she is Gen Z or the untitled generation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. talking about how much... She doesn't want to identify as a millennial. Paula, we don't want you either. Paula, Get out. Paula is tired of hearing about the infantile antics of millennials. But, we're, no, 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 no. Oh, oh, we're Paula. We're trying more. to step, quote, we're trying to step out from under the shadow of millennials by working hard and not expecting the world to fall in our laps. We are realistic but determined to succeed.
0: Oh, my God. This coming from the fucking Snapchat generation. Give me a break, Paula.
1: So. Come on. But I think it really underscores, right, even in this article, the only people that they can give a voice to is people who are like, yeah, no, 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 no. I don't want to be a part of this. <laughs> not right? me. Not me. So I, in the article, embedded in the article, was a link to um, a New York Post article by Kyle Smith mm. about how millennials ruined Halloween. Oh. And I think this is a really important follow-up to that first one, especially the fact that like the the New York Times article written by um, Liam Stack chose to link to this fucking article in the New York <laughs> Post that was about, they have a, a pull-out quote that is, the absence of kids from millennials' lives enables them to keep pretending they're children themselves mm-hmm. and about how infantile, to choose a word from Paula, this whole activity around dressing up mm-hmm. for, in ways that older generations did not dress mm-hmm. up when they were adults mm-hmm. is this signal that millennials are stuck in the past.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's a lot to unpack There's here. a
0: lot to unpack here, for sure. So I don't want my tone overall to be defensive. And I really... I think that's why we're trying to go a lot to like the source on a lot of this. Yeah. But I will say a couple things. One, Paula, 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 I hear you. I do. What I'd also like to point out is that, sort of like to my earlier point about the fact that when we were entering into college, I'm not sure that millennial was even labeled yet. So right. this whole opt-in, opt-out, I don't want to be defined with that, that was not an option. right? right. Like the term millennial got defined to the generation when it was already obvious that I was in it. Right. I was born in 1988. I'm smack in the middle. I have no way in or no way out. I'm in it. <laughs> right. And I'm holding on for dear life. Right. I just, you know, the brand is there. So that's one thing. The other thing that I think is interesting is that I have a cousin who was born in 1980. I think 1980. It was either 80 or 81, and she is so abjectly against being called a millennial. And I I understand that. Like, she experienced the world in a really different way than I did, and I totally get that. But I do think it's interesting that there are these people on either side that are, like, completely dissociating from it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I just think, like, where is that coming from? Why is that happening?
1: Yeah.
0: And then I think, you know, to this point about um, Paula saying... We want everything given to us. We don't. We don't want to work hard. Um, I just think that's a place that we should continue to explore. Yeah, I've heard, and I would be interested in finding more research to back this up. But I remember hearing at one point, in defense of millennials, someone was saying, "Well, that's really just what people in their twenties do, and it mm-hmm. happens with every generation." We scorn the generation as they move through their 20s. Then when they start to legitimize themselves economically and socially in their 30s and 40s, we start to give them a little bit more respect. So I hear that, and I'm just curious, like where is, where is that coming from, yeah. and is that going to actually persist?
1: Right. What I think a lot about is, um, and I've been speaking a lot with like Professor Mis- Mitchell Stevens um, when we were talking about the higher ed system, about how our understanding of higher ed is still so dependent on this 1950s GI Bill era mm-hmm. where you have the certain milestones where you turn a certain age, you go to college, you get married, you buy a house. And millennials, without having the economic stability, having graduated in the recession for many of us or been early mm-hmm. in our careers or about to enter our careers around that time, mm-hmm. don't have that type... Like Those benchmarks are not feasible for our generation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it uh we're not meeting those benchmarks that Mm -hmm. were established when baby boomers and gen x Mm -hmm. were younger Mm -hmm. and i think there's a discomfort around well if you're not focused on meeting those benchmarks then you have failed in some way or that you are not motivated to meet them
0: and instead, you're just ruining Halloween for the rest of us.
1: Right, right. I have truly seen so much hustle. And I think, again, it's not always the traditional, you started a job and mm-hmm. you stay there for your whole career. Mm-hmm. It is so, so many um, new ways mm-hmm. of creating business and supporting yourself that because it's not easily translatable onto the the you know married Mm -hmm. job forever and you know buy a house Mm -hmm. it's harder to to grasp Mm -hmm. for folks Mm -hmm. but I don't ever interpret that as laziness right it's self-preservation right
0: and I think I would just push and say like when we talk in generalities We're also perpetuating, I think, stereotypes that go in all sorts of different directions. That's so true. And I think, like, this is why I think as we move through these articles, I think we should, we're also going to make sure that we're bringing in data as much as possible. I'm thinking through as many different lenses as much as possible, and that's not a critique. The other thing that I thought about immediately when you brought up that secondary article about millennials sort of extending this adolescence, my first thought there too is like, well, there's something gendered behind that, right? That like, there were also for generations of men, men would have kids, but as we know in American society, for many men, the obligation of being home with the kids at a certain time, that didn't always exist. There is also similarly a a trope in American culture, or rather like this theme in American culture of men persisting to lead pretty full lives connected to work, connected to relationships with their other male friends, yeah. um, even after they have kids. And yeah. we also know that, statistically speaking, men are, are older when they have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we talk about extending this time, what I'm thinking is like, okay, but what are we afraid of here? Because that, to me, is actually something that screams, I'm afraid of women holding on to their independence longer, mm. and I'm afraid... Of wherever you fall in that, whether you identify as a man, a woman, or a non binary gender, but like there is something there is something threatening about that, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. We are moving towards a society that builds more capacity for leisure, mm-hmm, and that leisure is much more visible because of social media, yeah just because, like, we have more tools to capture and share that in ways that we maybe didn't before.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm literally pulling up my phone and my Instagram stories while Grace is talking, and the first one that comes up is someone at Storm King. The next one is someone at a picnic. The next one is someone at Jazz Fest. I have a lot of Jazz Fest this weekend because, like, you know, all the folks are there. The next one is the Fat Jewish. Thank God for the Fat Jewish. Right. Always coming through. The next one is a picnic. The next one is some ballet dancers. The next one is Elaine Welteroth. And so, oh, going somewhere, she says, guess how many items have made it into my luggage? The next one is some, oh. The next one is someone at one of my favorite bars in Berkeley. Shout out to Jupiter and your extensive outdoor patio. Oh, I
1: love Jupiter. Uh, That's your favorite restaurant in Berkeley?
0: No, not necessarily, but it is a bar that I like.
1: Yeah, it's a good one.
0: The next one is someone who went to L.A. Oh my gosh, a glass of rose and an amazing sushi plate. But my point here is just like,
1: yeah, you know, yeah, and and Tony Tony knows what I'm doing at all times because Emma's able to capture that on her social <laughs> media.
0: You're welcome, Tone.
1: Yeah, Tony, you're welcome.
0: Tone. Tony is grateful the third for wheel that. in this relationship.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, what I think he are. is really grateful. Yeah, I have trouble believing that things are are so unique to our generation or different. Right. It's just how we share and capture it.
0: Right. And I would just like to ask someone like Paula, like, where are you getting your information? Right. What is your own lived experience? As someone who's 21 years old, it's likely that she knows people that are captured in that millennial generation, and it's also likely that she's participating in a lot of the same... Um, experiences and the same ways of living that are epitomized in the millennial generation that we are. I mean, I don't know this person, but I'm assuming that she's also participating and there's some sort of self. I don't know if self hate is like such a strong word, but right. like there's some sort of critique. Like she's clearly developing her consciousness around it. And I think what I hear in that, even when I say that, is like, oh, does she think we don't have that? Like, does right. she think that we don't have the ability to critique and have a consciousness around? The absurdity of our social media feeds right, like every single fucking story on my social media feed is like picnicking, rose drinking at a jazz fest. there's such a like embarrassment of
1: riches oh, that sure. I think
0: is present at least and at least for the images that we're seeing.
1: What was your article
0: about so it's in ink dot com. Written by a gentleman named John Brandon. Don't know a ton about him. I'm unclear of his age. He is a, uh, a Scorpio, though. So okay. <laughs> beware. Um, but so the title is: The survey results are in. Colon. Millennials hate boomers. <laughs>
1: Newsflash! It's <laughs> literally our parents. I hate you, mom. <laughs> Extra,
0: extra, read all the time, Millennials hate boomers. Are you, Dad. And then two other folks come into play, Axios and Survey Monkey, here to tell us that they're able to prove what we all suspected. But, but don't worry. John says, we shouldn't, Millennials, shouldn't dwell on the problem. The boomers are not to blame. The bots are coming for you. There is an answer to the problem. Okay, so then, just... Oh my God, I don't know where in, to follow John. It's amazing. Yeah. So then... He talks about a lot of sort of, like, the general strifes of of millennials. He talks about debt. He talks about the fact that we are competing with artificial intelligence in the job market. Um, he also makes a bit of a pass at our, at our attempt to bring yogurt and fruit into the break room. Um, <laughs> what? But he also Sorry. says that... Um, boomers are not are not to blame. Like, don't okay. worry. Don't blame your parents. And honestly, okay. like... I mean, again, Grace and I are talking from a very specific perspective, but, like, I don't blame my parents. Are you ready for the second slice of lasagna?
1: I can't wait. I'm, like, Ooh. feeling like Garfield the cat right now.
0: Ooh. So the original Axios article, which is using data from SurveyMonkey, also, like, I just can't... <laughs> I just can't with the irony of this. Yeah. Like... Don't worry, don't worry. Turn to the online survey tool that we all used in college to right. figure out like what night the frat mixer was gonna be, right. and like <laughs> use that to decide. Make huge generalizations about the way that we feel about our parents, but this, but the Axios article with the what the original article is titled, Millennials blame Boomers for ruining their lives. It's almost like within that is this depicting of the petulant child yes. which we talked about before it's right. like you go in your room screw you, you're mom. 7 years old <laughs> you slam the door and right. you say you're ruining my life right so that's the headline the like clearly clickbait yes. oriented headline but the question that they're using to generate their data reads have the baby boomers made things better or worse for your generation and millennials answer 51% say worse 33% say no difference, and 13% say better. Compared with Gen X, which is 42% worse, 36% no difference, and 19% better. So one, two things I want to say. One, I feel like there's like a huge leap here right. from have baby boomers made things better or worse for right. your generation. Right, right. That question in and of itself does not scream, Mom, you're ruining my life. Right, right. But secondly... Is that the margin of difference here between 51% and 42% Right. is like, basically, I mean, it's not like
1: it's negligible, right.
0: but it's like you're so hellbent on painting this picture right, that you right, want right. to see. And I think really what we should be saying, if we're going to say this at all, is millennials and their older siblings, the Gen Xers, collectively As go majority. in the backyard, yeah. build a fort, and say no parents allowed. Yeah. What a great, interesting set of articles. Yeah. And again, I think, like... I think I'm going to definitely try to be mindful of not coming across as defensive or not trying to be too, like... You know, my lived experience is the way. Like, I think that... I think it's important for us to also continue to consider how we have biases and we have lived certain ways in our own experience as millennials. Um... But I just think it's important for us to call into question and, and use, like, a real critique, especially when we're looking at people who do not represent millennial generation. Yeah. And as they're producing sort of culturally-oriented
1: commentary on us. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that.
0: Cheers. And Paula, give Paula. us a call.
1: We want to talk.
0: Ah. Uh, <laughs> Paula feel like, I just feel like I want to know you. <laughs> I want to understand. Oh, shit. That was just my phone.
1: Oh. Calling <laughs> out of my, calling Paula's my... like, I'm trying. <laughs> Sending out the
0: signal. <laughs> She's
1: not We're going to wrap up our episode this week by doing our throwback of the week. The thing, the aspect, the song, the movement of our generation when we were younger, that's really been brought up for us um, Mm -hmm. as we moved through this week. For me, it is the 1996 classic, Don't Speak, by No Doubt. Uh. Now, it is absolutely about a breakup between Gwen Stefani and Tony to two uh, members of No Doubt, but for me, it was a total encapsulation of my frustration with white men in my classes this week. Yes. Um, I had a classmate, who's male, interrupt a researcher to tell her she was wrong, and um, then the next uh, next class when he was called out about it was saying how people should really watch their tone
0: well it just like sounds like one of these incidents where there's someone who's hearing where there's a woman expert who's providing information and there's a man on the receiving end who for very good reason is probably likely feeling uncomfortable or defensive but feels the need to take up everyone else's time and space in a room that is specifically designed to empower women in order to feel heard. Exactly. There are other ways for him to work through this. Yes. It doesn't, it should not involve taking up the time and space and pushing back against the woman expert in the room.
1: Yeah. So my advice and what I'm calling back to, don't speak. (laughs) Time to listen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's good for white allies too. yeah like I, I think I'm t- incredibly empathetic in that I understand the feelings that he's feeling, mm-hmm. and it's important to take a step back and be quiet and just listen mm-hmm. to understand uh, where where you've hurt someone else. Don't speak. don't tell me because it hurts. <laughs> I-, <laughs> I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking, so I don't need your reasons) <laughs> What about you, Emma? What's your throwback of the week? Good throwback, Gracie. Thanks. Such a good album. So my throwback
0: Thursday today is Outkast's 2003 World Hit Wonder. Worldwide? Worldwide Wonder? Worldwide Hit?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea.
0: Chart-topping Worldwide Wonder, Worldwide Hit. Hey Heya. completely washed through the hallways of my high school shake it like a polaroid picture why don't you oh coincided with the revitalization of the polaroid
1: oh my gosh
0: sure did yeah But that's not the reason why I bring it up today. The reason I bring it up today is because um, our good friend Zach was at his 15 year old sister's birthday party today, and he said that all these 15 year olds in the Bay Area are still listening to Heya. Yeah. Which I just, I just am so proud. Yeah. I'm so proud of being (laughs) alive and getting getting the opportunity to be there from the beginning, and then Mm -hmm. knowing that 13 to 15 years later, there is still a gaggle of girls singing along to Andre 3000. Yeah.
1: and Like this girl turned 15.
0: Like this weekend. And it weekend. is
1: 15 years old. Oh,
0: yeah. What a gem. Thanks, big boy. Thanks, Andre 3000. Thanks, Atlanta.
1: So thank you all so much for listening. This mm. has been TVT with Grace.
0: And Emma. Oh. oh. Should we call it TVT
1: with G&E? Ooh! Ever? Sure. Hmm. TBT with G and E, a podcast. I'm worried that someone's gonna be like, "Who's G and E?" Oh come on! Maybe it'll just be our handle.
0: TBT with Grace and Emma, aka TBT with G and E, a Throwback Thursday podcast on the millennial generation and how we came to be. Oh, it all rhymes. Oh, uh, nice. look at us! Cool.
1: Have see a good you all. Week.
0: See, yeah. See you or all two Thursdays from
1: now. Fortnite.